0: we
1: Right, well welcome back to the glue guys this is mike here say hello
0: brian hello.
1: check us out on twitter at bkglueguys, netsdaily.com almighty baller itunes find us subscribe to us do whatever you need to get us into your life on a weekly basis with which we put out this podcast brian
0: like I don't know why we're doing this again, because all of our takes from the original version are, like, dead-on accurate, so, like, what are we doing here?
1: Um, Brian, in, in, in literally, in all honesty, Brian and I recorded a pod yesterday, which would be Thursday, and as we, I press stop on the recording, within two minutes, Woj tweets out that the Nets have come to an extension with Spencer Dinwiddie, Brian, <laughs> so, and within our original pod... Uh, again, in in the theme of honesty, we discussed uh, that the Nets didn't have to make an extension, did not have to sign an extension with Dinwiddie right now, that there's no point to it, that they should just wait until the trade deadline. But look, we have the extension and we're all happy. What do you think, Brian?
0: So why? I mean, the big question is why do it other than just like a sign of good faith? And I think that might be like the gesture that they're going after. Right. I mean, this is their guy. They want to do right by him. Um, they want to build that hashtag culture, hashtag rise and grind, hashtag 420 blaze it. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, um, I don't know. That's my take. And I, th- if it's like a feel good signing, um, so yeah. What's your take, Mike? I'm still, it's, I'm still reeling from it to be honest. Ugh,
1: to I, I be will honest. say that. So there's a couple of malt, like side things that <clears> I have to get to, and we're in a short period of time. Again, in honesty, my six month old is sleeping in oh. his stroller at the moment. <laughs> So, I am trying. We're trying to. We're, this is how dedicated we are to you, Nets Nation. We are trying to get this pot out to you within all accuracy, but my son is sleeping. So, we'll see what happens with him. But um, just first on the actual extension, why do they do it? You know, so I do think that they probably. I, I, I don't know this for sure, obviously, because Sean Marks hasn't texted me quite yet. But I think they probably did offer him for four years. Like, so to set the sort of the framework that was available to them, the Nets had a, a cap with which the, the only amount of money that they could offer him in terms of the maximum would be 47.5 over four years. And the four years was the longest extension that they could do. And this extension, the three years, what is it, like $32 million or whatever it is, is, um, is along the lines of being the most amount of money that you could offer to the player within three years. I got to think Marks and the Nets, if they were willing to do three years, they probably wanted to do four. Um, but Dinwiddie's side probably just wanted to do two, and they came to an agreement with a player option for the third year, which is what we understand. That the third year of this extension, which isn't, which is, this, the extension starts next season. So one, two, three. That's a player option. He, Dinwiddie has the choice of re upping with the Nets for that one final year. So I would I think like generally the Nets wanted to do four years. And all the all the like reporting that we had been getting beforehand, Brian, was that I think Nets Daily Net Income tweeted this out was that uh people were surprised the Nets hadn't extended Dinwiddie yet. That's probably because they offered him four years and he and his side didn't want to take four years. And they ended up agreeing to three. So okay, we're so all what do
0: you what do you think is the motivation for not wanting the four years?
1: For Dinwiddie's side. Yeah. Well, for Dinwiddie's side, it's – so we have to understand, like, it's a tough thing. Like, obviously, Spencer is a very smart person, but, like, he hadn't made all that much money beforehand in terms of an NBA player. I mean, he has made a lot of money for radio people, but not an NBA player. And to get any amount of money, to get a guarantee to say, I know for these next two years I'm going to get this. I'll come out of – come back into free agency if I want to. Within two seasons at the age of like 27, that's at least another decent sized contract. If I want to do this, that's like a that's a fine bet to make on yourself, right? Like that's like Mm -hmm. an acceptable thing. You say I'm going to make 10 million and then like 11 and a half next two years. And then I have the choice of taking 12 million or which will likely be the case. I'd probably be worth more than that by that time. And I can sign a nice big fat extension with the Nets or get beyond free agency and then be with another team and just like
0: having having spoken to spencer dinwiddie personally friend of the show um <laughs> the dude is a super believer in his own skills and his abilities and um i think correctly is is betting that his ceiling is much higher than people realize so yeah i mean it it makes makes a lot of sense what you're saying like making a lot of sense to me all of a sudden
1: well, and I want to so, and we talked about this. I think in the uh, now the director's <laughs> cut of this pod, which will never be released, mm. was uh, you know if you look at the so now, he's next year he's going to make about ten million a year. Just look at the guys. Go on Hoops Hype, click on player salaries, and see the type of people that make ten million dollars in, in in an NBA season. Guys, who, especially look for guys who had just signed their contract. Okay, don't look for guys look, like Kemba Kemba Walker makes twelve million, but That's a fraudulent 12 because he signed that deal so long ago, and he's probably potentially a max player as a free agent coming up. Dinwiddie at 10 next season is like a a steal, I believe. I mean, he's – you know, I I tweeted this out at one point during the 76ers game that – at the end of the 76ers game that Dinwiddie's the best player on the team right now, and people got so mad. But, um, I mean, he – he is good enough to where he can be the best player on the team for 20% of the games during a season, right? Like, he he, he often is the guy who has the ball in his hands at the end of games. He's closed out, I think, every game that the team has been on. Um, now, the, of course, the Nets have lost most of those games. But already, the choice between D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie gets the preferential treatment at the end of games more than D'Angelo at this point. There's been games... Like the 76ers game, most recently, that D'Angelo wasn't on the floor and Dinwiddie was. And rarely Dinwiddie is not on the floor in those type of games. Um, It's like, you know, is it a win for the Nets that they got Dinwiddie to agree to the extension? I, I guess. I mean, like, you know, they offered him the max amount of money that they could offer him, and he accepted. He's probably worth more than that, but it's a unique situation his side likely got it down to the point where they're like, well, we'll take two years and we'll do a player option, and then the player option gives the player all the power, of course. So it's a, it's a good move. Um, it's also an interesting move for, like, the ripple effects that it could cause, but, you know, that it's almost tough to sort of decipher what's going on with that.
0: But mm-hmm. well, we did it.
1: We did it. What, so you think it sends a message that, like, the typical, like, we reward dudes, Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think per, per Dana Green's uh, quotes. Yeah, Danny uh, Green coming in I hot. know. <laughs> really, really. He really spoke glowingly of, of Sean Marks and, uh, and how, you know, everything comes down to these, like, you know, gestures of, of um, sincerity and good faith and things like that. So, um, I mean, I, you know, obviously there's, like, pretty clear f- business and financial reasons for doing it the way they did. But also... It's like one of those good vibe kind of things that I think fits right into what they're trying to, you know, propagate going forward. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I feel like I mean, just resigning our guys is like um, uh, it's a thing that we haven't been doing a lot of in the past. Right. Like we're constantly looking to leverage things upwards. But we just resigned Joe Harris, just resigned Spencer Dinwiddie. Like bringing guys back um, fosters a a particular kind of goodwill that's that's hard to recreate otherwise. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it's to build—like, so if you're going to create a culture, right, that the mm-hmm. whole—everything that Atkinson and Marks talks about, you can't actually then have tons of player turnover. Because if you just have constant player turnover, then the culture that you've built has to be recreated every time a new person comes in. Yeah. The guys that they sign, like Shabazz and, and Ed Davis, are, like, culture dudes. Uh, Jared Dudley, culture dude, of course.
0: Like, I was just— so, I was just watching um, like Sean Livingston on the Warriors and just thinking about like wow he's been there forever it seems like and the Nets like resuscitated his career in that one season um, but he's been like a like how often do you just see a, a, a bench player coming off the bench for the same time? it's like it, it feels like a like a nineties thing to do like, you know stay stay for that long as a bench player on a on a good team um, yeah because
1: so often the bench is just the yeah you'll you'll <laughs> typically. You'll sign a guy for three years. you sign, like, one guy who's definitely a bench player for, like, a three-year deal. Like, a, I don't even know who you would you would say out there. Yeah. Um, but then he gets, like, he gets out of the rotation, a coach's rotation, and then he's just an albatross contract. And then most of the time, teams just do the vet minimum or mid-level exception for one year, two years, stuff like that. But, like, the Nets are committing to um, – they're committing not just to, like, a person like D'Angelo Russell, which they haven't done quite yet. But they're committing to people that are, you know, could start some games, but also are going to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are like a few broader implications about this happening compared to if they didn't do this now. Because my main argument before about why you don't necessarily needed to have done this extension was that the the Nets had controlled Dinwiddie's bird rights, so if they were really big game hunting in the free in free agency, they could have signed. You know, two max free agents, and then signed Dinwiddie to pretty much whatever they wanted to, because they would have been able to go to over the cap with this number. That no longer exists. He is he is firmly set within the cap now. He will contribute to being he'll be he'll contribute to being at the cap number. He can't he can't be the one that extends it over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was. Bobby Mar- – do you see Bobby Marks' uh, tweets about this, which were pretty – it's always interesting to see what his take is, especially, you know, Nets culture and what the Nets are doing. You'll be surprised
0: um, to know I did not see his tweets about this, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> do tell. So, the two main things to pull out of them were that – one, that Dinwiddie cannot be traded until June 13th, um, which which is – should be known because – you know, there's all these sort of, like, discussions about Suns-Lakers-Nets deal, maybe, or there's just, like, a lot of, like, people that are floating around it there. And we've talked about Dinwiddie as a significant <laughs>
0: – what? The, the people on the Nets Daily comment section, like, the first thing that they that started coming out of their mouths after the Dinwiddie signing was, like, the people that love Dinwiddie and hate D-Lo are talking about, like, D-Lo to Phoenix, like, lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Already.
1: That, yeah, and That, that buzz is, is going to grow louder and louder, especially, yeah. the, like, the longer, the more games that Dinwiddie gets, more minutes over D-Lo. Um, but Dinwiddie can't be traded this season. Um, he could be traded, like, for some reason, let's say the Nets do sign Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, they could then make the decision, oh, well, let's trade Dinwiddie because he's on a decent contract. and But that this guarantees that Dinwiddie will be on the team for the rest of the year um, mm-hmm. by him signing up this extension. The other thing is the cap implications of it heading into the 2019 free agency, which is what we've talked about so much, is that um, with – this is from Bobby Marks – with Delos cap hold, Rondé's cap hold, and now Dinwiddie's extension, the Nets have $19 million in space. Plenty to do whatever they want with, but – not enough to sign even Tobias Harris, most likely. Like, if you're going to, for some reason, bring back both Rondé and D'Lo. Um But if they were to let both Rondé and D'Lo go, say, you know, we renounce your rights or whatever they you have to do, they would have $46 million in space. That's a very important number. Because we don't know what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. We have an idea that Rondé probably... Not that this will definitely be his last... You know, season on the team, but like, there's a good chance that he won't be on the team next year, right? You would say better. Would you say it's a better chance that he's not on the team, or do you think he would be on the team next year?
0: That this, um, like, that moves the needle?
1: Well, do you, just overall, do you think Ronde is definitely going to be a guy who's be brought back on the Nets?
0: Outside? Oh, God. On it's lightly. tough, but I think, like, of all the, you know, I think we're both in agreement that of all the people, he, he sort of makes the least sense, though, in terms of, as I say, fostering that culture, you know, <clears throat> hard to think of a guy that does that better than Rondé. Is it worth the amount of money it's going to take? Or I don't know. I don't actually know what the kind of price that Rondé is going to, I mean, if it's at a very serious discount, if there's like really no market for him, which I mean, from everything that we've heard, that seems to be the case, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah I, to, well, go ahead. I, I don't
1: think, I don't think there is, there's, I don't i don't think there's gonna be a market right there's just not going
0: to be like a team thirsting after there isn't but is he also the guy that's like you know not you know is he an overseas dude for like does he need to like go like you know go away and come back at some point you know like I don't know if he's at that phase of his career either so like um you know I think he's still an NBA player obviously but um where where he lands is is uh it's super unclear
1: but as of now let's just say the nets renounce the rights of uh D'Angelo Russell and Ronde Hollis Jefferson, they would have forty six million dollars in cap space in free agency now with Dinwiddie's new contract. So that is still max free agent and a little something else or two big free agents at twenty million a year each. You know, so they're they're not they're their flexibility in twenty nineteen isn't shot. It's less than it was when they had Dinwiddie on bird rights and not on a new contract. Um but you know I think you would rather – so like – and this was the sort of the debate we had with Joe Harris. Like, is Joe Harris worth $8 million a year? 100%. Is he worth the $8 million in cap space that you could have had in 2019 if you didn't have him? I I would still argue, yeah. I think a good deal is a good deal. And the Nets, like, should we – like, should they really be holding on for the 2% chance that, like, Kyrie and KD both want to be on the Nets? And if for some reason they do – it wouldn't be that hard to move Joe Harris or move, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie or attach a pick and a half, probably a first and a second to Alan Crab's contract. And then he, that solves all your problems. You yeah. Know?
0: I mean, obviously, that's another reason the Ronda hit thing makes it complicated because if there isn't a market and there suggests there isn't, um, moving that contract becomes very difficult as well.
1: Um, but good day. I mean, it's, that's a, it's a good, as you were saying, it's like, It is pretty rare across the NBA to just re-sign, to to give an extension to a guy who isn't a max player, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's the Kyle Singler deal in Oklahoma City, the Nick Collison deal in Oklahoma City. Like, those are two, like, very small bit parts who got, like, four-year, $8 million extensions at that time. But pretty much across the NBA, it's like you are max or near max, and if you're not one of those two type of players – you will let you go to free agency then maybe we'll bring you back at that point um the nets are choosing a different path and you know dinwiddie deserves that money there's like no question in my mind he deserves that money he's um he was pretty good last year he's a significantly better player this year
0: um he's really like zeroed in on what it is he's going to be you know and that's um that's uh, like that's both his sort of virtue But also you know the, the team is in a different place And they're requiring less of the Other sort of less You know th- the skills that he had to tack on Because he was carrying so much of the baggage um, But he's just become a laser focused You know Balls to the wall scorer like, um, That he was already sort of like destined to be And and it's, it's nice when you see a guy uh, Like really um, Like come to a conclusion about Who he's going to be as a basketball player You know what I mean?
1: Well and there's still like there's still like uh room for him to
0: grow, right? Like it's totally. I mean but I still think that, that that's his path forward. It's like Oh yeah. You know the
1: the yeah. slashing
0: to like going to the hoop or shooting a ridiculous step back three. Um
1: yeah. that just is- like
0: the the Lou Williams tract is is the one that he's headed on.
1: So there you go. So the 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 cloudy nets future that we had been trying to forecast for for so long we're still going to try to forecast it's a little bit clearer we we have a new data point with which to sort of pin on is that we know for a fact that like joe harris jared allen Car well we we should i mean let's you know, barring a big trade joe harris caris levert um jared allen now spencer dinwiddie that is a core along with like moose and Karouk's As developmental pieces, that's six guys right there. Alan Crabb probably has to be on the team next year um, because of his contract, even though he is playing better. Um, Ever since we motivated him by talking about how bad he is. Um, So there's like we're getting into clear focus. Now the big question is what to do with D'Angelo Russell. Um, Do you give him the contract that he'll probably end up getting in free agency? Do you match whatever another team out there is going to give him? Is he a trade piece? We'll see. All these things. Bigger the question, Mike. Here.
0: Who you got tonight? Wiz or Nets? Big question. Um, let's go
1: Nets, bro. You're a Wiz man. Come Nets. on,
0: I can. I can already hear it in your. Now, this this. You uh, got your fingers crossed. I can hear him crossing up.
1: I I enjoyed the the debacle Gilbert Arenas gun team more than I enjoy this Wizards team because that gun team was like, it's like a dog that bites you that you know it can't it can't help itself. Well, you're a cat guy, so it's a cat that bites you. That can't help itself. What's
0: going on with John Wall? Why does why does he look in the face like he's been on like a like a bender? Like what's going on with John Wall? Is he just I, getting old? Is it getting old and tired?
1: You know what I wonder? We are. Remember when we were younger, when there was this um, pervasive and semi-racist belief that if a, a basketball player got um, a big contract, that he would be lazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. But that would happen. It would happen that a guy would get a big contract and then he would be down. But it was always sort of racist that yeah, that was sure. viewed as basketball players feeling that way. Um, so but we then we got through this era where guys just keep improving that like this kind of started with, Co- well, obviously with Jordan, then Kobe. But this LeBron generation of guys who they, like they'll post Instagram videos of them working out, like being Uh, A a gym rat is a good quality for this certain generation and the generations that have followed that we actually haven't really seen the massive extension and immediate decline in a long time. I think we're seeing that with John. (laughs) Wall. I think we're seeing the classic. I'm getting a lot of money and then I'm just not going to put as much work into it as I used to. Uh, to get that amount of money
0: but his numbers are still like okay it's just like it's weird because his numbers are okay but he visually seems super disconnected
1: well there's a famous stat about him and it's been this way for now i think three <laughs> seasons is that he has the slowest average speed on the court the slowest um what does that mean so that when they do tracking data of these guys like i think jj reddick is one of the fastest players in the NBA in terms of his average speed when he's on the floor, you know, because he's always moving around. He's always doing something. Sure. He's John Wall, five while miles probably an has... Hour, well,
0: John Wall goes 20 miles an hour, like, twice a game.
1: Twice a game. And then yeah. the rest of the time, he just stands there. Right. Like, I think Russell Westbrook is also one of those dudes who, if he has the ball, he's moving fast. If he doesn't, he just stands there. So, like, mm-hmm. John Wall's always That's sort of That's a hilarious
0: a, stat. Like... <laughs> Who is who is responsible for, for watching all that and, and aggregating that data?
1: It, it's incredible. But it's like, yeah. I actually, we should look that up for the Nets. Because, like, I really do wonder who, because the, the Nets aren't a very active team in general. Like, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of uh, kinetic energy oh, on wow. the floor. Uh, shots fired, bro. For real. Um, but, yeah. So, John Wall is sort of a disgrace. And, <laughs> uh, he, he has the largest possible contract in basketball until KD signs his five-year deal with the with the Warriors. yeah. Um, Brian, thank you for doing this.
0: Mike, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on the show.
1: So what's going to happen now is there will probably be a pretty awkward cut, and then we're just going to start talking about probably the 76ers game, I think is what we talked about.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um,
1: you know, there's other good stuff in there. Um, so if you want to continue to listen, please do. And thank you for listening to what you just listened to. And keep listening to us as <laughs> this we... This
0: isn't goodbye, everybody. Just... Oh, yeah.
1: No, yeah. But there's like there's like 40 more minutes of show. So please <laughs> yeah. keep listening and, again, buy everything yeah. um, buy, that we buy, advertise. Buy,
0: buy. Okay. See you.
1: Brian. Um, yeah, man. So what's different? What's different in this three-game win streak evident last night in the 76ers game? Dude, you already Ro- know. You already know. You don't need me to tell
0: you. It's your boy Rodion's q
1: Come on. Karooks is on fire, Brian. Um we've been saying it all season that the guy needs to play more. He had he is finally playing more and he's making a difference now. You know, obviously he's not I, I compared him to Kevin Durant and a Norwegian ridgeback crossover, but um so like my whole thing about this team was that so I I don't I'm not anti Jared Dudley as much as like my entire life on this podcast would make you believe I'm anti Jared Dudley cuz I've been anti Randy Foy and I'm anti sort of that vet player who will never have a future with the team. But like this team isn't that good. So I don't really I've never really understood why there's such a beholdenness to playing veterans, man. Shouldn't they be playing
0: Rodion Karuks? Shouldn't he be the dude that is on the floor at these games? Come on. Well, you know, they heard you and you're getting what you want. You know, this, this, it happened. Um, true boy Jared Dudley, bless his, his sweet soul, um, is down to 12.3 minutes in the last seven days versus, um, his season average of 21, uh, almost 22 minutes per game outside of those games. Um, you know, <laughs> That's uh they're they're taking all this into consideration it seems like Mike there's some real evidence that the Jared Dudley experiment may be coming to a merciful end um for the most part
1: Well and that's like the, that's fine he he can play 12 minutes a game or whatever it is now he he shouldn't have been starting I was fine with him starting but he shouldn't like I I, w- I wasn't enraged partly because I thought especially when they had LaVert and D'Angelo Russell out there that they had enough scoring in the first unit that like a, a Dudley makes sense. Now he doesn't make as much sense because they don't have Lavert and they do need a guy out there who can make some things happen. Rondé's playing better, Karuk's is playing and making an effective statement. Dude, it's all about our friend, our boy Spencer Dinwiddie. Are I'm you just going to pepper
0: in before we jump into Spencer Dinwiddie territory. Um, I'm going to start peppering in these emails because I've read through them and I have a good beat on where they're going to like land in this conversation. Okay. Yes. Sure boy, Jim Nazados. Um, thanks for hitting us up. Thanks for everybody all the time sending us emails. We love each and every one of them. Um, even if we don't air all of them, I read them and I appreciate them. Um, anyways, says Jim says, Do you think Kudix eventually takes the starting job this year? I think Dudley's falling out of the rotation fast, and I'm convinced Rondé is only being showcased for a trade maybe a second round pick for a t- uh, from a playoff team. I'm rooting for Ronde, but I don't think Marks considers him part of the future. Mike, weigh in. Yes. Um do it, do it now. Weigh in. For God's sakes. Karouks as a starter, I don't really see it may happen.
1: I don't exactly see it happening for a long period of time. It we're still a little new in this, Brian. A little new in this Karouks risingness. You know what I'm saying? It's just like <laughs> a little it's a I little like, early. I like your for
0: impulse a- to add a NIST, to the beholdenness and rising. <laughs> yeah. um Um I mean I'm inclined to agree, but um so what do you think of his uh the the idea that we're we're playing Ronde f- for for a trade or something like this? Um people are starting to see or starting to see the, the writing on the wall with Ronde, it seems like. Um what's what's your feeling? Well,
1: the- so, the, he had to have taken an evolutionary step to have remained with this team after his contract expires at the end of the season, right? Like, he would have had to have shown that new element in his game, the three-point shot, to have then survived another contract with this team. He may get one, but it would only be at, like, not a discount, but just it would be at a low price, because that means a lot of other teams aren't that interested. I don't know who would be interested in Rond. I mean, Ronde's playing better, and that's part of the reason why this team's on a three-game win streak. I don't want that to be lost, right? Like... He is playing better. He seems more comfortable out there. He's being more productive, but um, I don't. Th- I just don't think there's like a thirst for Rondé out there. The He's problem, not yeah.
0: a not a guy that m- many teams are going to want to play. So you know we we've, we've sort of picked up from keeping our ear to the streets as as we often do. You you more than me that there's not much of a trade market for Rondé. Um, but you know just at a glance, like this, the cutix games have been. Uh, good. Like, do you th- do you believe in the eye test, Are you like seeing that this guy is is legit? Or I can just sort of parlay what Cheerboy Zach Arenstein wrote in said so, Kiddick's situation reminds me a lot of Jared Allen's last season. It took until around now to start gaining the trust of the coaching staff, and by the new year, he was starting the rest of the year. Can we finally consider Rodai freed? Hashtag freed. Um, I my my feeling about it is that like um, obviously. We'll need a, a much larger body of evidence here. But he does really pass the eye test. Um, he's got a, a couple of pretty fluid moves that he can rely on. Um, he's got a way more athleticism than it first appears. Like, he, that one, like, just taken... He took somebody off the dribble and just, like, dunked, like, at, like from pretty far away. Much further than I thought he would be able to do it from. Um, and also, like, <clears throat> even though his, like, form is... It's very wristy. Uh, his his long range shot is is shot is, is super army and wristy. Um he does it with like a naturalness that that uh I think uh makes me pretty confident that he feels confident in it at least. So um yeah, I mean like it's hard to say that already he looks like it's just kind of a better fit than what Ronde can do. Um I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Ronde, but um the people that are sort of clamoring for, for more cutics minutes kind of have a point. He does feel like a better system guy, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's also that I think so like this team, you've you've talked about this more than anyone out there in wow. Nets Nation. Wow. The, the fact that this team doesn't get any easy buckets. Like there's no transition game. They play actually at a slow pace compared to the rest of the league and all that stuff. Uh, Karutz is one of the few players on this team that has sort of um, translatable athleticism that matters on the floor. Like, Rondé, of course, is a really good athlete, but he doesn't have the ball handling that really makes a difference. And not that Karutz does, but, like, there's, like, a different way that they're both playing. Is that Karutz is, like, really going straight to the hole looking for a pass, or he's waiting at the three-point line to then dive back into the hole and wait, hopefully get another pass. It's like, there's just a lot more activity from him. That's partly because he... He's, it's not that he's not sure what he's doing, but like, like Joe Harris has a structured way he's going to play. He's going to get the ball at the three point line. Hopefully, Punk Punk fakes a guy, then goes to the hoop. Where like Carutz is like kind of just trying to figure out what he's supposed to do. And what he's doing is just providing a ton of energy. Um, like, he by far passes the eye test, right? It's pretty incredible that he was. This is like a huge, I mean, obviously, I'm not, I don't want to go crazy. We don't know what he's going to end up being, but. Let's track the story of him becoming a net. This is like a two-year odyssey, if not longer, that Marx's regime was tracking him overseas. A guy who barely Karutz barely played for like the second division Barcelona squad because he stated his intentions of wanting to go into the draft pretty early, and his coach basically banished him. That when NBA scouts would show up, that they would they wouldn't play Karutz because. They'd want to give him a platform to, like, impress these scouts, and then he would go to the NBA. And and it was a situation where most people hadn't even seen video of him. And the Nets sort of stuck with him. They were mocked to have picked him two drafts ago, and then he pulled out of the draft. They were mocked to pick him this draft. They ended up picking him. And what you get is, what is he, 6'9", 6'10"? I don't know. Um, Athletic, energetic somewhat, you know, capably aware player out there who can also sometimes kind of shoot a ball. And that's... In the second round, that's, like, a phenomenal thing. You know, like, we keep waiting for the stretch four. Brian, it may be there in Kroots. It may be there. It may... Yeah.
0: That little. There's a sliver of that there, for sure. It's funny because, like, in terms of, like, contextually, they play very similar, which is, like, they're kind of there to take weird chances and, like... um you know uh, like they're him util- and ronde him and ronde yeah but they yeah. do it in so like such different ways right they're like they're obvious sort of you know f- the they're the last sort of recipient of any kind of play like they're the final like cutter or whatever but like they and no plays are ultimately run for them i mean especially this year like they used to have some plays that they ran for ronde but <clears throat> that's that's gone away um and so yeah they're like these utility players that are just kind of there to like create chaos or or, you know something like that, but like Rundy is just—it's um, not a controlled chaos in the same way that Rodian seems to have, um, and also they're just like they have completely different skill sets. It appears, um, so it's 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 funny that they're sort of like the two guys that are head to head on this thing because like you know uh, in terms of their skill set, like super different. Um, but they're in each other's way, and it's going to come to a head, Mike, and it's going to be ugly. There's going to be, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come to blows. So um, watch out. Is this, for that.
1: is this the Nets version of KD and Draymond? Is this? Yeah. And obviously, Rondé's Draymond, and yeah. of course, Carutz is Kevin Durant because he compared himself to Kevin Durant. That's it up. Like, okay, so this team is lacking in fun players. Obviously, we love the team. It's so, so great, everyone's amazing, Kenny Atkinson's great, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they are lacking, in. that's why the Zion thirst is so real, because yeah.
0: the Nets haven't had, like, just like a... A guy who can dunk, like, heavy dunk. We were missing a heavy dunker for three years now. It's getting almost unmanageable. And, like, Jared Allen has nice
1: dunks, but he... Mm, no. There is a detachment there. I mean, he likes to do it. It's just, like, it's, it's, it's not...
0: They're not specific. cool I mean, he like, can, like, do he, the one... Like, the Lori marketing yeah. thing is like, yeah, that's... It's, but it's never... Like um, it's like, what's the how to like really? It's it's he hard to play expl- into the dunk. His his thirst isn't for dunking on people. There's a like torque method to the dunk that mm-hmm. like makes it really cool when you do it properly. That he doesn't have. There's no torque. You know what I mean? And again, fine dunker, but like overall, mostly pretty
1: pretty stale in doesn't, terms doesn't of that. Doesn't sit realm. on the rim. Doesn't give it
0: that that kind of catapult effect. You know what I'm saying?
1: And not that Carutz was like a great dunker, even though, as you said, he had that really awesome dunk. But he is an exciting, interesting player out there who, you know, for all these years with the Nets haven't had draft picks, that feeling of that young player who has promise, who you don't really know what he's going to be. You think he's going to be something, but you don't really know. Like It is enjoyable to get more of that out of Karutz than they got out of, like, like LeVert, even as a draft pick, it was like he had, he had the injury history early on, so you couldn't really enjoy him totally. Um, D'Angelo was a trade. There's a lot of excitement for when he came over. But I I don't know. we got to take the temperature of Nets Nation on Mm. D'Angelo at the moment. Because I tweeted out last night. I said Spencer Dinwiddie is the – I said Spencer because I'm first name basis with him – is the best player on the Nets right now just because I knew people would be so gosh darn mad. And they were because you either had people saying – give him an extension or you had people saying whoa d'angelo russell is by far the best player on the nets i just don't i don't know where people are at with d'angelo i think we need we need more people to be tweeting at us and saying how much <laughs> they love or hate d'angelo we need more of that because i don't see that enough in our timeline yeah i'm joking
0: well yeah. the rodians ronde beef is is heating up the d'angelo dinwiddie turmoil is, is at a fever pitch and something's <laughs> got to break here because your boy luis torres Long time, I haven't heard from Louise in a while. Thanks for writing in. Um trade season is upon us. Why hasn't anyone come up with a trade machine app? Hey, developers out there, software engineers, I'm looking at you, Tremblay, Eve, Darbuz. Um do you think the Las Vegas Suns owner threatened the city of Phoenix that he will move the team to Las Vegas? I thought it was Seattle, was it not Seattle? Um, Seattle
1: and Vegas or Vegas? Okay.
0: Um, would give us Bender if we are involved in the Ariza KCP deal. Stop without giving up without giving up Dinwiddie. So don't worry, Mike. We're not going to give up Dinwiddie for Bender. Um, so you, Luis, you've been gone too long because you would know about Mike's complete prejudice and bias towards anything to do with. <laughs> Dra- Dra- Wait, let me look
1: up Dragon Bender stats this season, just so I'm like completely correct but from what he was last year he was just a a tall dude who shoot threes and didn't do anything else and like was like okay at shooting threes but like didn't do anything else just wouldn't do anything oh he's averaging 2.3 points a game this year with 1.5 rebounds and 0. 0.5 assists
0: He he's averaging 15 percent from three people i mean i didn't really know. want this to roll into some kind of giant bender pile on okay i mean Luis just threw that out there willy-nilly he's been out of the he's been out of the conversation for a while so give him a break okay he's um, on a bender he's on <laughs> he maybe on a bender nicely done mike. um but Sorry. the point is okay so you're saying there's got to be some trades on the on, on the horizon you know look i don't want to put it i don't want to put you in a hot spot mike because you know i know i know that that's tough for you um but maybe he says he also says in a different email almost forgot which teams will be desperate to make any moves is there any potential trade partners not even like the idea of like what the nets want or are interested in there's going to be lots of time for that in the future let's not let's not trigger a whole swath of our audience with that but who out there if you if you can if you know are like out there trying to make moves well like apparently we've heard that the king's and Pelicans are two teams desperate. They're
1: like the two sort of border playoff teams. The Kings don't have their own first-round pick. They're playing well this year. I think they're the eighth seed in the West at the moment or right around there, and they want to keep winning. There's no reason for them not to win. I would say the Mavericks probably want to make a move because they're also going for the eighth seed. They also probably – I don't think they have their pick. It's like all the teams that don't have their pick, but then the Pelicans, the Pelicans have to do something to sort of solidify – anthony davis in some way and to be honest d'angelo russell's a very interesting um trade candidate for new orleans but i don't uh, new orleans would have to give up like they don't have anything to give up beyond their own first round picks you know they don't they don't have like an asset you know to really flip over the to the nets way but yeah man um well quick thing about the Suns. this is a conspiracy theory moment and i understand it trajan langdon Nets' assistant gm had was at two consecutive Suns games and uh, this week. And one of those games, and there's like rumors that the Nets are the third team in that Areza contavious caldwell pope trade. We, of course, know that the Nets had some interest in Caldwell-Pope when he was afraid in the classic. Brian, remember the discussion we had? Caldwell-Pope reporter, who do you want more? That was like a classic glue-guys mm. debate. Mm. Um, Trajan Langdon was at two Suns games. One of those Suns games, Josh Jackson, um, not randomly started, but pretty much randomly started a game uh, for the Suns. A guy who's basically been riding pine for most of the season. What was he like the fourth overall pick or something? Um, But he hasn't been that good. He seems to not really like super be in the Suns rotation these days. I'm just there's like something out there. There's just some, there's a vibe. Like, are the Nets gonna somehow get into this deal? So, who, like who are you steal? looking at? Do
0: you want Triple Rashawn Holmes or T.J. Warren? I mean, like, what what are you angling for here?
1: I I know a lot of our listeners love T.J. Warren. Um, I don't, I don't love the the dollar value on that. I, I mean, I'm like, I need to know more about Josh Jackson and why he isn't better at basketball at this point because he seems to be, he he was supremely talented coming out of Kansas. He also had some off-the-court issues. I'm pretty sure I remember. Um, but 6'8", you know, 6'9", can play probably small ball for – depending what the Nets could give up for him. It would be interesting if they could get him into their system. But uh, I don't know, man. What are your feeling Like, are the Nets going to make some – do you think the Nets are going to make some move This this – like, in-season, like, are they going to make – not just like a a bit part move like trading Ed Davis for a second round pick, but like a, a significant sort of alteration of their future.
0: No, I mean this is a lame answer, but I I don't there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of motivation for doing that quite, quite at the moment. Um not with all these like I mean <clears throat> like what you were saying with those sort of more extraneous parts like a Damari Carroll thing, you know, a an Ed Davis, a you know, I would actually really dislike any kind of I've been Truly enjoying the Ed Davis tenure um, of, of of the Nets, um, but I mean, in terms of like an actual big like you know consequential move, um, it doesn't feel like it's necessary at this time. And especially when you're just kind of waiting for Karis Lavert to come back. I mean, um, also there's not a whole lot of I mean, who else is who else is like truly interesting, young and gettable um, that isn't like. That like our assets are are kind of young and and gettable and have like higher ceilings uh, or not gettable. Um, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it seems like if anything like we're the kind of like the trade partners that have the young assets that we would be wanting back anyhow. Um, because we're not going to be able to like combine you know a bunch of players for like one good superstar. That's just like there's not a world when any of that's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I don't know. My my feeling is that there's not a ton of motivation for us to be sellers in this current market, especially since, you know, we're gonna have um, we'll be one of very few teams with any kind of money to spend over the summer. So um, not that there's any guys to really spend it on, but um, I don't know. It doesn't. Do you think that this is a good time to be sort of selling off pieces?
1: The the interesting more than selling off pieces would be if the Nets decide we're unlikely to get um, like Kevin Durant. If they to make that determination, if they yeah. decide, you know, they, they may, may have Kevin already Durant. come to that
0: conclusion, Mike. I don't know.
1: I can't. I can't speak. I'm not inside that yeah. room, Brian. Yeah. But um, if they make the determination that they probably won't get Kyrie or Kevin Durant or any of the big free agents, and like they also then don't want to play the game where they're just going to throw money at Tobias Harris, which we talked about last episode. I'm not sure um, that they don't
0: want to be in that position. I'm not, I
1: don't know. Well, like what? So the one trade that they could that's going to be available to them if they want to do that to do something altering significantly altering besides like trading Dinwiddie or D'Angelo or something like that, would be uh to take on salary for next season. Because even though there's the, the league is gonna have so so many teams are gonna have so much cast space, there are still teams like the Miami Heat or the Houston Rockets or there's a few other teams out there that like would like to remove salary from their books in some way going into the free agency period. Um A team like my Wizards, who are still bad, who the Nets are about to play tomorrow, um, who have, like, an insane cap sheet, and they just traded, like, Jason Smith for nothing, because, and, like, apparently Jason Smith's, like, the greatest teammate in the world, which is totally weird. But, um, like, a franchise-ish altering move would be to take on salary to get another first-round pick in some way, like they did with the Fareed Nuggets deal. And then they're like, well, now we're sitting here. We're probably not a playoff team, but like, let's say their pick is between 10 and 14. They have the Nuggets pick, which let me look at the Nuggets record. Right, Nuggets are still leading the West, but they have three wins over the Sacramento Kings. They're three games over the Sacramento Kings who are in the eighth seed, technically the eighth seed. So the Nuggets first place holding isn't like the firmest of firm, right? And they had some injuries, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap. So the Nuggets, that pick could be... <laughs> 32, I guess, or whatever, or 30, or 32, whatever it would be. I guess they have to win a championship. But then it also could be 20. And then if they made another trade to take on more salary in some way or to trade, you know, Fareed's expiring for a a team that like Brandon Knight, who has, you know, uh, two more years on his contract, if they make that decision, they could get another first-round pick. That would be – that's the more likely franchise-altering trade is to be – we're not going to be players in 2019 for agency. We're going to take on more salary for 2019, but we're also going to get either a young player or a, a, a pick to then like really sort of develop a, a roster of young talent on this team to then be players in 2020 for agency, which is like, gosh, Brian, that is how, something. How
0: fun. Or we Help could him. just roll the dice on Chubot Um Let's do Stop it. it. Stop um, it. Stop it. So that's all the emails I had lined up, Mike. I mean, I have a fun idea that it, our our good friend uh, Eve Darbuz sent in a, a seven-minute voicemail message, which, of course, we can't play um, in its entirety in the middle of the show. But it might be fun to sort of end on that um, if, if you're interested, and we can address it in the next episode um, for, <laughs> for, for those who listen. <laughs> um, all right. That sounds
1: like a great idea. I yeah. love
0: it um so shout out to eve we're gonna we're gonna do that um anyways anything else you want to toss around mike what do you got um
1: nothing man we got some i have exciting email requests for guests i'm not gonna tell you who i'm trying to get on the pod but i'm trying man we're we're hustling
0: i already know you want me to blow it up should i blow it up to everybody
1: uh um, no i'm not gonna because it's not gonna happen so i don't really want to do it of
0: course not um, um been keeping up with vanderpump
1: vanderpump's been phenomenal um, the, uh, first two episodes are st- unlike anything I've ever seen on TV besides every other episode of Vanderpump. Yeah. They are, it is my wife and I look at each other multiple times during every episode saying, this is the best show on television. There's yeah. no question. It's the best show on television. It's
0: startling. I really that, like what we talked a little bit about this, but I'm just to highlight it for those who are watching Vanderpump out there. For those of you that aren't, I mean, you can turn it off now, this show off. Uh, actually you shouldn't because his he, emails or voicemails coming up. But uh you should be you should be watching this show because it's really illustrative of the whole spectrum of, you know, human civilization um <laughs> and behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite part in this episode uh where Jax is proposing to his his now fiance, um, was he he made this elaborate scheme up to deliver her a Uh, a $70,000 wedding ring uh, engagement. That's what we're told. Right. That's what we're told. $70,000 engagement ring in a box of clam strips, (laughs) a (laughs) box of fried (laughs) seafood. And he doesn't even make it to the table with the thing. He, uh, I think there was a moment where he's like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever had. Why did I like pull so many strings to get this ring inside of a box of clam strips? um, And like, abandoned it in midway to from walking it on that tiny tray to the table and just shows up with a ring in his hand which he could have done at any point um it's good it's good stuff it's really good stuff it it, you know raises a lot of questions um so everyone should be watching that
1: but um great television show james kennedy is um a unique character on television and he deserves to be spotlighted in the way that he is and and I said this to you, the, the fact that most reality shows would take uh, an engagement of two of the, like, uh, pillar characters on the show would be, I mean, the frickin' office took, what is it, three seasons before Jim and Pam ever went on a real date. Uh, Vanderpump, within the first episode of this new season, just threw in an, uh, an engagement proposal between Jax and Brittany. Um, that is how much content they have. That they can, they're they just like, this is the first episode. We're not going to drag this out. This is just going to be, it's here it is. Here's is. Mm. We're going to move on. We're moving on. It'll be a dominant theme. Of course, we're all waiting for Jax's Bachelor Party. Mm. I hope that goes well. Yeah. Um, they're going to kill somebody at that Bachelor Party. Something,
0: yeah. something terrible is going to happen. Hey, this is actually a good time to talk about this. Like, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, um, I want to hear from you because we've talked just briefly, spontaneously before the show, about starting a Twitch channel. Um, where where it would be equal parts basketball and stupid things like what we were just talking about now. Um, I don't know if that's something that pe- that there's an audience for. If you guys are interested in that, like I think that would be super fun. Mike doesn't think so, but I do. Um, no, I'm
1: I'm excited about it. I just need like you. I, you just don't I know don't what Twitch my... is. That's the problem. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I just need I need like a a background. Like I'm like I don't I don't want to be. I don't want to name names, but I've seen some uh video Twitter feeds of people watching basketball games that end up on my Twitter feed at night. I don't I don't want to name the two names of the people that do that, but um <laughs> <laughs> I know you know them. There's, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, so
0: so you don't I mean obviously we're not going to be that. That's that that's deep sadness, you know.
1: You have a good background. You have a bookcase behind you. I need an element here. I need, like, some sort of... I mean, if that's prop. the
0: only thing that's stopping us, that's I'm, the only sure, thing. I'm sure we that's can it. figure something out. That's um, it.
1: That, that's... that's <laughs> if I clear that bar, I'm ready to roll.
0: Yeah. I mean, and also, like, you don't even have to be, like... I can... If you want, I can just be the only face of it. I can just have the basketball game on the background. You know, whatever. I got a um, TV. Anyways. So, all those ideas, uh, if you're still out there, podcast audience... um Take those into into your consideration. Think about it. Tweet at us. Email us. If, you're, if you'd are if you be like even like marginally interested in something like that, um, I think we'd like to hear from you. But um, anyways, other than that, Mike, let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. Nets, three-game winning streak.
1: Coming up with a big game against the Wizards and the Hawks. The Nets are only a game out of... Well, you know, they're like two and a half or three games behind the eighth seed, but uh, they are one win away from the eighth seed. The Nets, as dark as that eight, eight game losing streak was the nets are are not out of it and uh thank you for sticking with us within the darkness of that eight game losing streak
0: brian mike uh hey everybody this is eve Darboz. <laughs> or do you want to play it after the outro we'll play it after the outro
1: okay so but Bye, tell everybody. people what it is one more time there it's it's a seven-minute voicemail. seven-minute voicemail from you,
0: but it's good. Okay. And he has a lot of interesting insights, and we're going to address them all in the next episode. Okay, how about that for a tease? Take us out of here, Mike. Thank you, everybody. Good night. Yeah, Bye. boy. <laughs>